You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. As always, we would like to thank all of our listeners for their continued support. Do keep listening to us and spread the word about our podcast to your cricket-loving friends. If you haven't done this already, uh, do not forget to subscribe to our podcast on uh, whichever platform you listen to us on, be it Podbean, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CastBox, or anything like that. You can find us by searching for Armchair Cricket Podcast on any of these platforms. Um, We would really like that you leave us a feedback uh, in uh, the platform you listen to us on, uh, preferably also a five-star rating. You can reach out to us by email. Our email address is armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, all these links you know, are in the description box uh, below. Now, uh, it's been quite a while since uh, uh, myself and Ajit did an episode together. Um, so this is one of those episodes where we are uh, the people who are going to be talking. Uh, so without further ado, let me welcome my co-host Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How have you been? Hi, Giri. I'm doing good. It's been a couple of very hectic days, what with the, you know, the match on the weekend and some mm. squash training. It's It's been a couple of very, uh, let's say, activity-filled days. Also, uh, the work has been a bit hectic. So, I'm actually, you know, happy to be back here talking about cricket with you. Mm. How has your time been? Well, also, uh, hectic days at work. Um, well, you know, I... I was on my lunch break this afternoon uh, and I happened to catch a glimpse mm. of two famous names on television. Uh-huh. I happened to watch this live on television. Uh-huh. Tendulkar and Manjrekar. Right. Right? And not Sachin yeah, right. Tendulkar and uh, not Sanjay Manjrekar, of course, but it's Arjun Tendulkar and uh, I think Minad uh, Manjrekar. These two guys are fast bowlers who play right. uh, in the Mumbai uh, domestic circuit. And mm, I think there is a mm, Mumbai T20 mm. league that just started today. And they, yes. they, they were playing the first match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arjun Tendulkar, I saw him get his first wicket in Mumbai T20. Uh, Fantastic. Left arm, left arm fast bowler. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You, you cannot imagine that he's a fast bowler. I think Sachin Tendulkar, when he started out young, he also wanted to be a fast bowler. But it's mm-hmm. really good to see this uh, young, uh, young man. I think he's just 19 years old. He bowls... Uh, just wide of the crease, he has a very strong run-up. Uh, he he packs a punch, you know, when he bowls. Uh, so he has got a good pace for a 19-year-old. And the uh, other guy, uh, uh, Manjrekar. Um, mm. And th- this guy is a very stocky lad. You know, I think he's 22 or 23 years old. Quite mm-hmm. tall, I think over six foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, very broad shoulders. He has a very short run-up. Right. Uh, and think of Mark Wood, for example. Mark Wood also had a very ah. short run-up. And he bowls, I think, maybe 10 paces. Uh, and then he uses his uh, shoulder quite a lot, his right mm. shoulder. And, uh, bowls mm-hmm. it. Also very fast. I think he's also right. 140 plus. Wow. So, uh, interesting. So, I, I happened to catch a glimpse of these two uh, guys. And Arjun Tendulkar also bats a bit. So, he's an all-rounder. Mm-hmm. And he also contributed with a bat I saw in the end uh, to their score. And they managed to beat uh, their opposition. So, Excellent. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you may have some more uh, Tendulkars and Manjrekars in at least IPL or, you know, some Indian cricket at some yeah. level. Yeah, I heard Rohan Gavaskar uh, say this on commentary, you know, uh, IPL turns out to be, uh, you know, kind of uh, an audition uh, ah. for a player who wants to play in uh, Indian Indian international cricket, you know, ODI team or test team. Of course. And apparently Mumbai T20 is where, you know, guys like uh, Arjun and uh, the other Manjrekar, they audition for to play in uh, the IPL, so it's one step leading to the IPL. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to dwell too much on this topic, uh, so let's get on with our uh, um, chat for tonight. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So left, I will let you take over. All right. So well, I mean, let's start as usual with the trivia question from last week. So the trivia question from last week was statistically in terms of wins and losses, which was the worst World Cup for India? So in terms of how many wins and losses that they had during that World Cup, so to say, which was the worst one? So um, it was it was not let's say a tough question, but it's it's not one of those things that remains in people's memories. I think because we did not get any right answers. The answer to this question was 1979 World Cup, where in the Indian team led by Srinivas Venkat Rahwan did not uh, even win a single match. So they played uh, four matches and they won none of those. And they came back home empty-handed, as they say. And, um, well, this was statistically the worst when, uh, let's say, the match for India at the World Cups. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, going forward, uh, IPL ended in this last week since our last mm. episode so there was a couple of matches i think that we can quickly discuss giri uh, did you happen to see the eliminator and the final uh, not in uh, totality um, however i i mean uh, if you look at the eliminator it was played between csk i think this that was the second eliminator uh, mm-hmm. since csk mm-hmm. finished top of the table although they lost to mumbai indians in the first uh, match uh, mm-hmm. first playoffs i think Right. Um, they they were still in contention, and uh, uh, in the other eliminator, uh, there was a match between, of course, right, you know, Capitals and Sunrisers Hyderabad, and mm-hmm. Sunrisers had a depleted team, you know, because uh, David Warner had left and Johnny Bestow had also left. Right. Uh, because right. of that, they lost, I think, against uh, Delhi Capitals, who themselves were depleted of their fast bowling attack with uh, Kahiso Rabada returning to South Africa with an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so Delhi Capitals uh, won this match against uh, Sunrisers, which made them, you know, play against um, uh, Chennai Super Kings. In mm-hmm. the other uh, match for the final, for a final uh, place in the finals, as it were. Right. Um, so Delhi Capitals uh, lost this match, and uh, I mean CSK were too strong on that day. And CSK, all you know. The, Okay, you can call it dad's army if you want, even if they have people uh, with an average age, I think, must be in the mid-30s if you take the uh, you know average of the uh, players' ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they managed to, you know, uh, win over uh, this, uh, yeah, relatively younger side in Delhi Capitals, uh, red, led by uh, Shreyas Iyer, which right. meant that it was a rematch um, between uh, Chennai Super Kings and uh, Mumbai Indians in the final, the two giants. Right. Have mm-hmm. won it multiple times, you know, between them. And mm-hmm. The other team, I being Kolkata Knight Riders, who unfortunately for them did not make uh, the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, who was the other team? I think it was Rajasthan Royals who must have won it once. I think apart from that, we can't really think of any other names. No other teams have won it so many times. Well, 
my favorite team deccan chargers i think <laughs> uh, i course. think won won the tournament once as well didn't they when uh, yeah. no i think uh, deccan chargers uh, with adam kilchrist playing with them i think he was the captain of the team that beat anil kumble's uh, bangalore in in the second edition when they played in south africa, africa i'm not wrong Indeed. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. And they were rebranded as uh, Sunrisers, of course. Sunrisers Hyderabad. Uh, mm-hmm. Deccan, Deccan Chargers became SRH. As we right. Know. Right. Right. Um, of course, because of change in sponsor and all those things. Okay. Let's let's uh, look at the finals then between Mumbai and uh, Chennai. Right. This was played at Hyderabad. I think the finals were initially slated to be played at Chennai, but I think there was some kind of uh, um, yeah some some administrative stuff that could not be arranged. I think they had some issue with. Uh, Uh, a part of the uh, Chipok uh, stadium yeah, in yeah. Chennai that was covered, you know, the people were not allowed to sit there. I think, um, right. It's so because of that. I think uh, BCCI had to move this uh, to Hyderabad, but this was announced well in advance. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we've seen that Hyderabad uh, has been a pitch where they have. Ha- we have had some high-scoring games. If you remember that match where SRH played against uh, RCB. Mm-hmm. uh you know both uh, david warner and johnny besto uh, you know making merry uh, against rcb bowlers to, uh, much to uh, yeah much to my disappointment to be honest uh-huh. so uh-huh. i expected more of the same here um, right. and that, of course that was a day match this was uh, a day nighter i mean evening uh, start right um mumbai indians won the toss and decided to bat first surprisingly enough because these days the team which wins the toss you know this usually decides to field first so this mm. was a bit of a surprise decision by rohit sharma of course he he would have had his reasons we know that right. he's a he's a very good strategist i think mumbai team has a very good think tank behind them right uh, the likes of uh, jayawardana for example uh, zahir khan you know bolstering their uh, bowling uh, coach or bowling coach strength mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so so rohit sharma won the toss and decided to bat first um they got off to a very quick start with uh, quinton de kock and uh, rohit sharma himself playing mm-hmm. a quick uh, knock but unfortunately for them i don't think anybody in the top 5 in the you know at least in the top order of the until the uh, lower middle order nobody really stood out um and played a longer innings so they got out in their 20s or even in their teens so quinton de kock mm, was out mm. for 29 rohit sharma himself out for 15 uh, surya kumar yadav who has been quite a good uh, you know he's been in a good form um, towards the latter part of the uh, tournament and also a big match player uh, if i may say so he has been very successful in knockout matches especially uh, mm-hmm. he also did not make a big score he made 15 surprisingly surya kumar yadav uh, he is actually uh, he represents or he captains the uh, uh, team uh, in mumbai t20 league you know the mm-hmm. one i spoke about earlier he's he's, uh, he's a defending champion in fact his team is defending champions he made 90 runs uh, today of right. 50 or deliveries uh, it was a quick firing so anyway mm-hmm. that's a side step but so he didn't score uh, he didn't have a big score this time around ishan kishan looked good but he could not uh, convert his uh, you know start um krunal pandya also got out for a single uh, figure until uh, you know um, the old not old but yeah the uh, the powerhouses uh, of uh, mumbai uh, indians team uh, in this uh, tournament in this edition has been you know uh, kyron pollard and uh, hardik pandya these two guys uh, provided some late fireworks uh, mm-hmm. which meant 
Mumbai could muster up a score of 149 runs for eight wickets. So CSK, you know, we've known that their bowling has been quite strong uh, this season, mm-hmm. uh, especially the spinners like uh, Harbhajan Singh and uh, Imran Tahir. And of course, right. uh, Ravindra Jadeja. These guys have been bowling consistently well. And uh, Deepak Chahar has been very good up uh, the order. He has been uh, providing them with good starts, early wickets as well. Um, so Deepak Chahar picked up three wickets for 26 runs. Shardul Thakur, the other seamer, he went for a few runs, but he also picked up a couple of crucial wickets. Right. Uh, and then, you know, Shaharbhajan Singh, Imran Tahir and Ravindra Jadeja were all very economical uh, with Imran Tahir even picking up a couple of wickets, which made him, you know, the highest wicket taker in this edition of IPL. I see. So he gets see. he gets the purple cap, right? Is that a purple or the orange? I think it's the purple. No, cap. I think it's the purple one. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. In response, um, Chennai got off to a good start uh, with uh, veteran batsmen Faf uh, Duplessis and uh, Shane Watson, uh, uh, seeing them, you know, as a, give, giving them a good start in the power play. Uh, when Faf Duplessis right. got out for 26 runs, um, the score was 33 runs. Uh, we, I think we were at the end of the four overs. Mm. And then afterwards, they had a middle-order collapse. So the likes of uh, Suresh Raina, who was out LBW against Chahar, uh, Rahul Chahar. Right, um, right. And this turns out to be a crucial moment, I would say, because I think he reviewed this and uh, uh, it was overturned. Well, not mm-hmm. overturned, but uh, so the Empire's decision stuck and then Chennai lost their review. So they didn't have any reviews after this. Uh, uh, after this, after his dismissal, mm-hmm. and then Ambati Raidu, who has been having a lean patch uh, in the recent uh, past, he also got out for one run, mm-hmm. um, fell to Bumrah, you know, it was uh, caught behind by Quinton de Kock. Uh, and then MS Dhoni, I think this was the turning point in the match. Usually, MS Dhoni stays out there and then provides stability to the team, even if he, you know, eats up a few deliveries. Uh, but on this occasion, I think. He was, uh, he, was, he was run out mm-hmm. by Ishan Kishan. Some quick work there. Um, right. And this, I think, was a turning point. Uh, so, um, after that, um, Dwayne, Dwayne, yeah, Dwayne Bravo, indeed. Dwayne, Dwayne Bravo, Bravo yeah. uh, the West Indian all-rounder. Um, uh, you know, he, he joined uh, Shane Watson, who was still out there, you know, the opener. Uh, and these two guys tried to... Uh, inject some stability into the uh, into the chase and bravo stayed out there with uh, watson they had i think about 50 51 runs partnership mm-hmm. until bravo uh, was out caught behind again uh, by uh, off of the bowling of bumrah it was a very quick delivery and we all know bumrah hits the you know deck hard but he also comes off the deck really fast right uh, which also happened to be the case when uh, quentin de Kock missed uh, a delivery from a short pitch delivery from uh, Boomrah. It was not off the edge, but it was, you know, uh, four buys in the end towards the uh, end of the innings. Right. And I think there were also some dropped catches. Shane Watson was dropped uh, off Boomrah. I think must have been dropped another couple of times earlier in the innings. Mm. Uh, so mm. it was it was a it was a game of who made the least number of errors basically. Exactly. Um, in the end, uh, but Shane Watson uh, Shane Watson played an amazing innings. He eventually got out for 80 runs, trying to uh, steal a second run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was out, run out. Uh, and when he was out, I think there was not much uh, sting left in the tail. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah i think he was out even uh, in the last over so the last over i think we will probably talk about it a little more in depth so i will come to you mm-hmm. on that uh-huh. the last over bowled by malinga right. because i think you watched it uh, you watched all the uh, six deliveries uh, in that over uh, right. and after that i think yeah in the end 149 for 8 which was what mumbai made mm-hmm. uh, chennai uh, couldn't you know uh, couldn't uh, chase this down they were one run short in the end 149 for 8 mm-hmm. um uh, 148 for 7 i'm sorry uh with uh, i think jasprit bumrah stealing the show there uh, with 14 runs in his four overs for two wickets also mm-hmm. Ra- rahul chahar the young uh, leg spinner he also bowled four overs for 14 runs and picked up a wicket uh, surprisingly hardik pandya bowled only one over for three runs right. uh, krunal pandya i think he bowled the 19th over was that mm-hmm. the 19th over i think yeah he 18th, went for a few runs 18th yeah even yeah, yeah, yeah 19th was bowled by bumrah of course yeah mm-hmm. so he went for a few runs but until then he also had a very economical uh, spell yeah, he went for 39 runs in his three overs and mitch mcclanahan uh, up front he went for uh, for 24 runs in his uh, four overs Mm-hmm. uh but uh, lasit malinga uh i think right. he had a very expensive third over but the the final over that he bowled the 20th over of the match he showed what he's worth you know he's probably worth his weight in gold and uh, we we saw another example of uh, what he can deliver death mm-hmm. overs bowling i think he is a master of that and bumrah has picked up from him you know playing with him we keep saying that master and the apprentice but uh, the master was on full show i think we have to uh, Uh, we have to stand up and uh, applaud uh, this performance from uh, malinga for sure well i mean before we go with the last over so to say you know mm-hmm. um couple of points there so uh, you said you know he was sort of um, going for it his choices his being rohit sharma's choices uh, were always logical and you know dhoni was driven by instinct heavily mm-hmm. i remember reading a very nice article who needs stats when you have dhoni right so i think it's it's completely um he's played his career out like that that his his um decision making is sort of gut feel driven right or instinct driven whereas i think um, they have taken a more statistics or uh, let's say uh, stochastical approach mm-hmm. uh, mumbai team and they have these number crunchers and lot of analysts in the background who can help you come up with certain kind of you know um any kind of analysis you want based on a certain player or a certain a bowler or so on and so forth so this again shows in the way the two teams played their um, let's say tournament mumbai sort of went on um, from strength to strength even though they didn't have a really positive start and chennai on the other hand sort of kept lurching from uh, very good uh, play to very ordinary play and it kept going so in the end it really made a big difference because uh, we saw it very clearly that uh, there was a problem that uh, in the end you know you know stephen fleming said it in the uh, post match ceremony where he accepted that they did not have as good uh, let's say um, tournament as they could have chennai mm-hmm. right and now if you were to come back to the uh, let's say the final over that malinga bowled he started with nine runs he had nine runs in his kitty to save and uh, the let's say the most important batsman of the match watson was still around right mm-hmm. so it's what uh, malinga bowling to watson and this this was a real master class you are absolutely right so the other question before this over started was because his third over was so cru- uh, costly would rohit turn towards uh, maybe hardik pandya who still had some overs left right yeah. 
given that uh, Jasprit Bumrah had bowled out and he rightly bowled the 19th over, let's say the most crucial over, they say. So he made sure, in spite of that bias uh, going away for a few runs, there were enough runs that, you know, uh, nine runs in the last over is not a lot when you look at it. When you think of, you know, how much, how much has been scored, at least when Dhoni was at the crease against Umesh Yadav and so on, how many tight matches have gone on in this IPL? I think um, Rohit Sharma really, for that one second, probably used his instinct rather than went by numbers, right? And went to the wily old fox, that Malinga is. You know, he's probably 10 kph slower than what he was a couple of years ago, but still the nows and that skill and let's say that experience is still there and it turned out to be the right uh, choice because in the first three deliveries, uh, there were a couple of Yorkers and one very low full toss that, you know, the batsman couldn't do much. So the other side was Jadeja from Watson. So either of these could have nailed one boundary. One boundary in the first three balls would have sort of sealed this match, so to say, in Chennai's favour, right? And they have already done this once where I think Mitch Hunter hit a six of the last ball and they clinched the tournament or let's say the match. So it was never, they were never out of it. Then comes this magical, you know, um, ball again, another Yorker. It was outside off and then they had a point that was set. So when Watson cut it, most of us thought this is going to a boundary, but then uh, there were only two runs there. And also kudos to, uh, you know, the fielder in the deep. I think it was Krunal Pandya who threw in a very flat throw straight to the cock and Watson has run out. Right? Mm. So that brought a new batsman to the crease. So with the new batsman coming in, they basically needed four of two balls. And uh, Shardul Thakur was first of all able to get away the ball. Another low full toss on leg stump to deep uh, backward square and there were only two there. But still, with one ball to win, with two runs to be scored, you would probably back either a, the batsman to somehow survive that ball and they somehow complete the run. Maybe they lose their wicket going for the second or whatever. But you would mostly think this is a super over or a win for the batting team. Here again, a lot of kudos to Malinga because he kept his nerve, delivered a pinpoint slower ball yorker, which I think Shardul Thakur could not read. And he was so far back in the crease that... Uh, the moment he missed the ball, he was stuck full on his toe. And then that was that. I think uh, there were not a lot of doubts. There was a little bit of a conjecture whether it was going down the leg side. But mm-hmm. I would say it, it, it was it was okay to give it to the bowler because I'm one of those people who supports mm-hmm. the bowler. And uh, I think that was, that was just because he was able to hold his nerve and deliver such a fantastic ball. Uh, I think they deserve to win there. And the old fox showed his skill and his class and he clinched the trophy for Mumbai, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Dhoni in the post-match ceremony echoed what you were saying earlier, saying that, you know, both teams were sort of uh, having a hand on this trophy, but they, they kept slipping up <laughs> because of the sweat, because of the tension. The trophy kept slipping out of their hands and the other team would catch it, but then this team would get it and so on. And then eventually Mumbai came out winners. So let's say it was a very, very tough match for the final and at the halfway stage one would think Chennai were favourites but somehow Mumbai hung in there and kudos to also you know um, Mumbai's Chahar the leg spinner yeah. Rahul Chahar who outdid yeah. his cousin Deepak yeah. uh, who himself had a very good match but I think even though Rahul Chahar took only one wicket his 14 runs in four overs would be very crucial in a final yeah. analysis right? yeah. so again um, also you already mentioned that Imran Tahir was the highest uh, wicket taker in this tournament and Andre Russell was judged the man of the tournament, right? And Jasprit Bumrah was judged the player of the match for his very parsimonious bowling. And David Warner was the purple cap, sorry, the orange cap uh, winner. Indeed. For his, so, yeah. 
wow another edition of the ipl comes to an end and i saw a couple of reports where rohit sharma was saying that you know such an ipl such a very competitive ipl has put the indian team in the right frame of mind going into the world cup right yeah. and I think uh, many players like i think hardik pandya tweeted also saying that one trophy in the bag now going to the other one so to say to go clinch the other one so i think many of the players are in the right frame of mind and even though dhoni lost the final i think he's speaking at the right time as a batter as well uh, he made an uncharacteristic error in the final to be run out which is not mm. very much like him but mm. there was enough depth in that batting order to almost carry them across the line so he can yeah. take heart from that right yeah i for one i'm happy that the ipl has now come to a close <laughs> because we can focus on real cricket rather than well, entertainment i mean for us uh, well our real cricket is still a couple of months away yeah it? ashes we're waiting for the ashes with bated breath exactly. of course yeah. but i mean we'll take the world cup it only happens once every four years so i'm suitably excited okay. as well. <laughs> right right so now let's look at some of the other uh, you know um, one day let's say prep preparation tournaments that are going on let's start with the ireland uh, tri series that is in progress so uh, in the two matches that have happened in the interim west indies chased down 327 comfortably to beat ireland right so bowling first west indies um, you know gave away 327 runs to ireland so in this case first of all paul sterling started a bit sedately but he laid a solid foundation with andrew balbirney who kept scoring at better than run a ball most of his innings and you know he finished with 135 balbirney and sterling made 77 and in the end kevin o'brien chipped in with a very fast 63 at better than 150 strike rate and then he was also aided with uh, some lusty blows by the fast bowler adair who was uh, promoted up the order as a result uh, ireland had a very competitive and a very tough looking 327 but then they ran against a very uh, very confident and informed west indian opening pair so you know john campbell has not been able to come back into the squad because he's injured so they promoted sunil ambris up the order and he started opening with shai hope and you know they added 84 for the first wicket and uh, a little bit better than run a ball and that set the platform beautifully because even though hope was out ambris was playing fantastically and he was he was a delight to watch all his hits all his wickets were straight down the ground with a straight bat more or less right so they were low risk hits and he kept them ticking over well until let's say the 40th over when he was out but by then west indies had uh, let's say achieved enough of a upper hand that they required only 70 of the last uh, 10 overs and then jason holder combined with uh, jonathan carter finished off uh, the chase and um, you know the west indies made it look easier than it should have and sunil ambris was adjudged the man of the match if we come to the next uh, match uh, this was again this was between west indies and bangladesh right in this match uh, west indies were beaten comfortably by bangladesh bangladesh have had a sort of a a hold over the west indian one day team in the last couple of months ever since they won a bilateral series against west indies right so batting first west indians were only able to make 247 for 9 in spite of a very let's say a bright start that ambris and uh, shai hope were able to provide so they were one for 37 in already the 6th over when ambris was out right and since um, i don't know darren bravo seems to be struggling a little bit for form and Uh, the middle order couldn't capitalize chase made 19 and carter only 3 then it fell back again upon the captain holder who partnered you know shy hope and they were able to take west indies all the way to about 199 into the 42nd over so the run rate was always low because they, were, they could not take too many risks but shy hope was dismissed in the 42nd over for 87 and 
you know, Holder almost followed him in a couple of overs for 200. At the score of 207, Holder followed him for 62. That meant, you know, the tail had to make sure they batted out the remaining overs and West Indies could only get to 247 for 9 in their 50 overs. In terms of bowling, uh, Mustafizur Rahman, who was also judged the man of the match, uh, finished with four wickets uh, in his nine overs for 43 runs. And Shaki Balasan bowled a fantastic spell of 27 for one in 10 overs. Right? And then, of course, Mashafi Murtaza, the, the wizened old uh, player that he is, took three for 60 in his full complement of 10 overs. Mm-hmm. Batting, uh, chasing a sort of uh, not-so-tough target. Uh, Bangladesh started uh, sedately. They were able to get to about uh, one for 50 in, in their ninth over. But then Tamim Iqbal was dismissed. After that, Shakib Al-Hassan joined Soumya Sarkar and these two upped the ante a little bit, right? So, by the time Shakib Al-Hassan was out in the 20th over, Bangladesh was well underway by scoring more than five over. And then Soumya Sarkar was dismissed more or less around the same time, but there were no collapses from then on because Mushfiqur Rahim and Mohammed Mithun made sure there were no such panics. Mm-hmm. And by the time Mohammed Mithun was dismissed in the 37th over, Bangladesh were comfortably, uh, you know, galloping towards the target. And Mushriku Rahim could not take them home, but Mohamedullah did that with an unbeaten 30, right? So it was a very comfortable victory with five wickets for Bangladesh with more than, let's say, two hours to spare. So basically, Bangladesh confirmed their place in the Ireland Tri-Series final. Tomorrow, they have a dead rubber. Tomorrow being the 15th of May, they have a dead rubber where they'll face Ireland. For them, it's a dead rubber. But if Ireland can beat Bangladesh convincingly, they'll leapfrog West Indies and enter the final of the tournament. Let's see if that happens. So we wish the Irish team all the best. Right. It's interesting uh, that when West Indies, you know, keep struggling against Bangladesh, you you seem to say offline, you know, off air that uh, uh, Bangladesh Bangladesh have got uh, West Indies completely worked out because mm-hmm. uh, West Indies are uh, have probably lost to Bangladesh successively in the last few matches they've played against each other. Pretty much, right? yes, yes. And here is us, you know, we, we were talking about West Indies doing so well against England. Of course, this team is not full strength. I would say they don't have Chris Gale, for example, at the top of the order. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So we, we had even said, you know, West Indies could on their day beat England, the likes of England or India. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if this keeps happening, yeah, I, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't uh, look good for them if this continues. But anyway, I think the, the team is still forming. They're still mm-hmm. experimenting things here. And hopefully they'll be back to their best. If they exactly. don't play against Bangladesh in the final, of course. You know, there's this other player, uh, certain Dreras, who's also missing. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you were to think in this specific match that I was talking to you about with Bangladesh, mm. I think if you were to follow the skipper in the batting lineup, there, there would be some some impact there, some changes, I'm sure. Mm. You know, somebody like Jonathan Carter, no no disrespect to him. But uh, with Dreras, it, it's, it's an entirely different ball game, isn't it? Right. Mm. That's one thing. The other thing is also, I think he would make a difference in the field and with the ball. So yeah. let's see how that goes, right? When they get both their big stars, like at least Gale and uh, Dreyras back in this 11, it might be an entirely different ball game. But having said that, look, I don't know what's, it's it's something psychological possibly because there's the West Indian team seems to struggle against this Bangladesh team. Bangladesh are not playing out of their skins to beat them. They're beating them comfortably. So it looks more like a psychological thing or something, you know. They're not able to get out of their own fear psyche or whatever you call that. You know, it reminds me of uh, India playing against Pakistan all those years ago in the late 80s and early 90s in Sharjah. Exactly. Well, I mean, uh, there may have been a couple of other factors involved there, uh, considering where it was played and so on. But, I mean, let's probably skip that point. 
But definitely this fear psychosis existed as well in the Indian players' minds after that famous last ball six or whatever, right? From Jihandar. Indeed. All right. Now, going forward, let's look at the other, you know, um, tournament that's going on, a bilateral series, one-day series between England and Pakistan, right? So, in the first uh, ODI that was rained off, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw that sharp spell from Jofra Archer Giri. Well, I only managed to catch the highlights of it uh, later, uh-huh. but I, I, I didn't watch this live. I didn't follow this live, unfortunately, right. but I think I missed something in my life now. <laughs> oh, right. All right. Was it that good? Well, I, I saw the video, but, uh, you know, I think we were talking about this earlier about Michael Holding and how he bowls or how he right. used to bowl in his peak mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. about really not making any effort in delivering the ball, but the ball still comes off the hand at such right. a tremendous pace. It hits mm-hmm. the wicketkeeper's gloves very hard. Also mm-hmm. swings the ball at 85, 88 to 90 miles an hour. That's amazing. I mean, we, we all speak about our, uh, you know, love uh, for fast mm-hmm. bowlers, you know. Uh, right. And right. Joe Fracher, if he does not play for England, uh, even after this spell uh, in the World Cup, he should play a few games at least, I think. If he doesn't do that, I think uh, ECB should look at themselves in the mirror and then say what they've done. Because mm. I think he's a match winner. He really is a match winner. I'm really looking forward to him playing the Ashes, though. That's what I would like to see him do. Forget the World Cup, even if he doesn't do that. But uh, mm. yeah, mm. but it's it's an amazing feeling. I, I we 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 remember Shoaib Akhtar bowling 90 plus miles an hour uh, in the 99 World Cup. Right, uh, right. And uh, every time he came out to bowl, we had a we had goosebumps. You know, basically. Uh, you know, expecting what he would do next, you know, a bouncer or a yorker or a swinging outswinger, very fast outswinger. Yeah, I think he brings that kind of a feeling when we uh, watch him bowl. So, yeah. All right. All right. I'm getting the feeling you're a big fan of this guy, Archer. Let's see how he goes. Absolutely. I love fast bowlers. Of course. All right. Going further, uh, in the second ODI, this was a very high-scoring ODI. Uh, So, you know, uh, there were some off-field events or let's say on-field events that had some attention, but we'll get into that shortly. Looking at the second ODI quickly between England and, uh, you know, uh, Pakistan, this was a very high-scoring encounter where uh, batting first, England made a uh, high, very tall total, 373 for three. One would think this this would mean they win comfortably, but that was not to be because Pakistan stretched them all the way and, you know, they were able to make 361 for seven. So I think the difference was only in the last two to three overs where Pakistan lost out uh, through some very clever bowling at the death mm-hmm. from England. But if you were to quickly look at the statistical highlights, Jason Roy made 87. Uh, he, uh, by his standards, it was barely said it. He was only striking at 89, right? Uh, he was complimented by uh, Johnny Bairstow, who made a, uh, you know, a 40, 51 uh, at 115 strike rate, more or less. Joe Root, who batted at three, was also again very sedate. He was he's sort of the banker in the team, so he moves the ball around, maneuvers uh, the strike, so to say. But then yeah. um, Owen Morgan and Josh Butler had a very strong platform at uh, 211 for three in, in the 36th over when they joined uh, each other. And um, I think uh, Butler got off to a very easy start with Yasser Shah bowling some pies at him. I don't know what <laughs> he was doing. And uh, with that... I think uh, Josh Butler sort of took off. So he uh, scored a very comfortable 100 in just 50 balls. And Owen Morgan did his bit on the other end. So Josh Butler was going at 200, but Owen Morgan himself was going at 148. 
right strike rate so this meant england motored along in the last 10 overs they scored more than 100 and they scored 373 of their allotted 50 overs when you look at the bowling uh, youngster shahin shahafri they took a bit of a pounding they took one for 80 but there was nothing much home much to write home about so uh, Fahim Ashraf looked off color, uh, considering 69 in his 10. Imad Wasim 63. Hassan Ali 81 in his 10. And then, of course, Yasir Shah was the worst of them all. So he's mm-hmm. he's going at uh, you know nearly eight and a half an hour, and he's gave away 60 runs in his seven hours. But Pakistan were not dispirited. When they came out to bat, Imamul Haq sort of played a very sedate innings. But Fakhar Zaman had his own ideas. He went after the bowling right from the get-go, and England were put under pressure. So as a result. You know, even though Imam Haq was steady, when he was dismissed, Pakistan were going at six and a half an over by the 14th mm-hmm. over, right? Then uh, Fakhar Zaman was supported by Babar Azam and Asif Ali, who played some fantastic shots. Babar Azam was scoring at runner ball, but Asif Ali scored another 50 at a strike rate of 141, right? Mm-hmm. Then Fakhar Zaman kept one end going pretty, pretty much, right? Right into, uh, let's say, the 33rd over when he was dismissed for 138 for a fantastically well-made 138, one might add, in just 106 balls, right? But then there was a little bit of a lull. Haris Sohel took a few balls, but he couldn't get going. And then Sarfraz Ahmed, uh, I think, was batting a bit low. But then maybe it's not, they were trying to preserve the right-left combination. But uh, going further, Sarfraz Ahmed uh, did not have enough time. He made a very quick 41 of just 32 balls. But, you know, Imad Wasim, Fahim Ashraf and Hassan Ali, along with the captain, couldn't take Pakistan home. And just in the last two to three hours, Pakistan lost out on the match. So a bit of credit there to Liam Plunkett, who finished off the bowling for England, mm. right? And then it looked like a bad match for spinners because even Adil Rashid went for a lot of runs. Moin Ali also went for uh, some runs. But David Willey, who bowled on the other side with Plunkett at the end of the England innings, who took two for 57, did a fantastic job as well. So England won this match narrowly, right? But then, you know, there was a bit of an off-field or a on-field event that led to a bit of controversy because we there was some unsubstantiated footage that showed, you know, uh, Liam Plunkett clearly scraping his hand across the ball or let's say scraping his nail across the ball. And later on, the ball was found to be heavily discolored and disfigured, a little bit disfigured on one side. So this raised the specter of, uh, you know, uh, ball tampering again. But then it looked like, ICC took a look at what was happening, look, took a look at this footage that was being circulated, and then they concluded there was nothing to be investigated there. But then uh, the people, some of the cricket analysts from the subcontinent were not very happy. They were up in arms about it, saying that mm. probably, you know, uh, if this were to be an Asian team, you know, how this thought process goes. So it was an interesting thing because ICC to completely exonerate the player, and on the other hand, some of the analysts, at least if you look at that video, he looks extremely culpable. Right, and yeah. provided the ball was indeed from yeah. after what he did to the ball, the images of the ball that yeah. came out afterwards. So he looks extremely, extremely culpable. But um, ICC must have had some more, uh, let's say, strong proof to completely exonerate Plunkett. What do you think, Giri? Well, I mean, uh, reminds me of Mike Dennis. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know, I know what you're saying. Go on. Uh, yes. The unofficial test match, which the official test match, which then became unofficial. Uh-huh. Remember uh-huh. that? Uh, that it had caused such a huge uh, furor back then. Uh, right, right, right. Something similar, I would say. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it completely, although I've just read about it. But uh, if the ICC says it's all fine, um, I mean, I'm okay with that. But I, I want to mention something else here. I, w- I want to talk a little bit about Butler. Right, uh, go Josh on. Butler, the freak. Uh-huh. 
right Free. i have a strong <laughs> suspicion uh, you know i have a strong suspicion he doesn't uh, his kookaburra kahuna bat uh-huh is actually masking a three wood under it you know, <laughs> you know what a three wood is used for it's a it's a golf club i think he plays with a golf club masquerading as a kookaburra kahuna bat right. because the way he right. hits them he basically tees off you know he mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. such good hands you know hand eye coordination is amazing he he plays unbelievable shots mm. and i think he's reached uh, or he's reaching a phase in his career where he's trying he's starting to peak Mm-hmm. and the best might still be ahead of us uh, a guy who plays with a strike rate of 200 mm-hmm. unbelievable i i still remember that uh, innings he played against west indies i think he scored 175 runs in that right. he hit so many sixes then in uh, unbelievable unbelievable shots low full toss mm-hmm. he gets underneath them he waxed them all the way to mid wicket or even mid on uh, you know long uh, boundaries uh, straight down the ground so i think he's a special talent Uh, it's really mm. good to see mm. that uh, you know he's speaking as well as he has that fire you know he's he's not a guy who is very aggressive on the field remember mm. what happened mm. when ashwin monkeyed him right uh, right so he, he was a bit i think that is probably the most expressive i've seen him uh, not mm-hmm. with his bat but with you know uh, <laughs> his expressions uh, you know he was not happy with what happened then but it's really good to see he's back to you know what he does best although sad to see that he doesn't keep wickets because johnny besto i think uh, gets first preference there uh, johnny no, no, besto no, no. himself uh, is in a rich vein of form continuing on from what he did at ipl mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about of course in the third match you you have something to say there uh, what johnny besto did All but right, again right. butler i think uh, he's going to be the man to watch out for uh, in the world cup if england mm-hmm. are going to score 400 plus runs this guy is key uh, right. uh, in in all matches that they play against Uh, any any strong team whether it's india or australia mm-hmm. i think uh, mm-hmm. he he's going to be uh, he's going to play a crucial part in this world cup if england are to win uh, at home yeah well i mean i i i get your point and i think i completely understand that you know watching this guy hit you you would ask yourself uh, well i bat too why does why don't my balls travel so far <laughs> and so cleanly right Or he I might don't. very well be playing with a golf uh, you know golf putter of some sort of three wood mm. as you say right mm. that's one thing the other thing i mean i think we discussed this off air uh, the way his his head and his poise the the entire body contributes to him hitting so far and we were sort of getting into the techniques of it and well i mean not going into too much of a pedantic detail Hmm. i think i think he strikes the ball really cleanly and and i mean it's something i think you are uh, you have to be sort of already uh, blessed with let's say but then you yeah. have to also work on it quite a lot i think it goes it goes uh, with a lot of hard work that you are able to achieve this with such a clear amount of success that follows you hmm. with that hmm. sort of hitting right yeah so uh, i mean he's he's definitely a special player i in fact remember reading one of these articles is he on the cusp of a very special summer because there's also an ashes coming up and if you remember last year he was he was a let's say a surprise pick back into the england test team after not yeah. being very successful in his initial stint uh, by ed smith the new chief selector in england mm-hmm. right but then the rest is history as they say we don't even we can't even think of an england uh, test match team without jos butler in it now but yeah. when it comes to keeping just a small correction there that he's when he's playing in the limited overs format uh, he is the first choice keeper johnny yeah, bestow just team of course it's bestow yeah right mm-hmm. but today in the today that is the third match so mm-hmm. we just finished this match the third uh, match of the series where you know the reverse happened 
Pakistan batting first uh, were able to uh, put up a very tall total and you would expect you know maybe then this England team would falter but they didn't they chased it down so if you were to look at it quickly Imam Mulhak played a fantastic innings today he was under a bit of pressure following his couple of uh, recent knocks where at least some of the analysts felt that he was um, dragging the team down by not you know giving them an explosive start by playing very sedately right especially when um, you know fakhar saman is not very successful probably it puts a bit of pressure on the rest of the order they felt but uh, today he went at you know a strike rate of 115 and held the innings together well into the you know nearly the 40th over nearly the 45th over i mean because you know he made a 151 out of just 131 balls so fakhar saman failed today and babar azam also couldn't make a big contribution so it fell on the rest of the middle order so haris sohel made 41 Safraz Ahmed could only make 27 and Asif Ali again made a very enterprising 52 and Imad Wasim everybody contributed on the order and they were able to get to 358 batting first England so in Bristol so it it was not you know as easy as the second ODI to probably chase this down but I mean it meant nothing for this England team so uh, looking at the bowling analysis to begin with Chris Wokes started fantastically to you know dismiss uh, uh, Fakhar Zaman and Babar Azam early on and he finished with 4 for 67 and then again liam plunkett took 1 for 55 and i think he bowled the crucial couple of final overs uh, david will was uh, not so successful he went for 86 runs of his 10 even though he took a wicket and tom curran came into this 11 uh, and he took 2 for 74 and interestingly both rashid and joe uh, josh butler were um, rested in this match mm-hmm. joe denley was sort of given uh, let's say an audition to make a play for the uh, let's say the backup spinner's role and the backup batter's role but he just got to bowl one over and i don't think he looked very comfortable and after that over i don't think he had much uh, role to play in this match um, maybe we'll get into what this means for him a bit later so going further england started their chase uh, in a you know blockbuster fashion as usual mm-hmm. jason roy got going and he was scoring uh, very rapidly with uh, johnny bersto and johnny bersto was batting as if he had a point to prove we don't know why he seems to be sort of perennially angry but uh, you know i think most of it is directed towards himself much like you know kohli or somebody mm-hmm. else out there. Mm-hmm. so jason roy made uh, 76 uh, out of just 55 balls and together uh, they added 159 for the first wicket in just under 18 overs i think you're talking about this on air it was like a t20 match right uh, giri so you know pakistan bowlers were carted all over the field and even by the 25th over let's say the um, the chase the back of this uh, chase was broken so to say because by the 25th over uh, even before johnny best was out england had comfortably reached uh, 225 and you know and that would that left them only chasing around a ball in the last uh, 25 overs and they were able to do that very comfortably with five overs or more left moin ali scored 46 ben stokes who was promoted up the order to gain a bit of you know touch made 37 jorut made another sedate 43 well not so sedate but sedate in these circumstances and then oin morgan came in and finished the match off with moin ali so johnny besto was the man of the match here so going back to the impact of what this means given that jordan lee was not promoted up the order to have a go at number 3 you know if he's really the backup opener so to say or even promoted at 4 or 5 so to see if he can you know get a bit of a touch and given that he only bowled one over it sort of gives one the feeling that you know this guy is sort of out of reckoning from the world cup so it looks very highly likely that liam dawson might get a call to join this team for the remaining odis um, ashley jail sort of hinted at this already earlier 
even before the third match began saying that you know Jordan Lee is on trial but yeah. um, it might very well be that they've already made up their mind they want a full spinner in Liam Dawson because Liam Dawson has been performing really well in the ongoing uh, you know uh, the uh, list A matches in England so he's he's I think in the top 10 in both the uh, wicket takers as well as the run makers so as a result they want him in the squad rather than Jordan Lee so Giri, um, maybe you got to catch a bit of the match, maybe a bit of uh, Johnny Best or Imamul Haq. Uh, neither of them actually. Uh, ah. I, I think I saw only a little bit of uh, this guy, uh, Jason Roy, and a little bit of Johnny Best. But I, I had to switch off the television after about nine hours or so. Right. Right. Um, yeah, but Jason, I saw one six that Jason Roy hit straight down the ground. I think it was mm-hmm. second tier or something. Wow. Uh, off the okay. bowling of uh, Shahin Shah Afridi. Right. <laughs> he's a clean hitter. You you see them being hit. I think it's he's one of the cleanest hitters out there. Mm. But that's what he does. He, he he you know scores quick runs at the top of the order. Mm. Um, but apart from I think they they had a few drop chances as well. Pakistan were sloppy in yes. the field. Uh, I think Hassan Ali when he came out to bowl as a first change bowler, it must have been eighth or the ninth over. Mm-hmm. And the very first ball he bowled a short short of good length uh, ball outside the off stump and Jason Roy punched this off punched this off his back foot and then uh, it went straight to Shahin Shafridi who was at uh, mid off who was feeling at mid off inside the circle mm-hmm. and he, he yeah he basically spilled it he he couldn't hold ah, on to it right. I think if Jason Roy had 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 got out at that point in time you know less than ten overs still within the first power play. England mm-hmm. not having had that explosive start, they were still getting there. I think they were not uh, scoring, uh, you know, they, they were not like uh, 150 runs in uh, 17 or 18 overs. So they were still getting up to speed. Right, uh, right. That may have, you know, um, that may have that may have put some breaks on uh, the the scoring right there. But we we never know. Could have and uh, would have, but. Uh, can't say anything right about it now, but Pakistan, I think, sh- will uh, take some. Uh, uh, you know, they, they will they'll be a bit happy that Shadab Khan uh, is now fully mm-hmm. recovered and he's going to join them in the squad, right? Uh, for the right. remainder of the series, I think. Yeah, I hope he gets to play again right. next to ODIs, and Yasser Shah will probably go back home. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think he has done enough. Uh, probably, uh, he's. I right. think he belongs in the test squad, uh, not here. Okay. And um, didn't Mohammad Amir also uh, have some kind of uh, an illness recently? Has, has he contracted well, some kind of infection? Well, I mean, the news we get to read is that uh, he may be down with uh, chickenpox. He's in England with his family, but he's not with the squad. But uh, they're now treating it as a chickenpox, case of chickenpox. That is really unfortunate because mm-hmm. I think uh, that puts his chances of participating in this World Cup uh, to be to be very tough, really. Mm-hmm. Almost non-existent because... I don't think he has enough time to recover and play and sort of make a case for himself. Considering that he's not in the initial 15, right? I think mm. uh, this might be very tough for him, right? This is one of the points. The other thing, when it comes to Yasir Shah, well, I mean, look, it's it's not a sh- it's not um, you know uh, such a bad thing if he can't really make a transition, because sometimes uh, bowlers do struggle. I mean, I mean, frankly, I saw his spell the other day in the second ODI, and what he was bowling was mostly filth. Sorry to be so blunt about it, but um, even the best spinners can, I think he's, he's too much inside his own head. That's what it looked like. You know, sometimes being a wrist spinner, I know how it works. And sometimes you suffer from the yips, as they say, and you sort of get so much in your head that the ball does not leave your hand correctly. 
okay. it happened to me in one of the uh, matches in the last few weeks and uh, sometimes it takes a bit for you to um, get out of that funk you you need the right kind of people talking or saying the right kind of things to you and then it it can work mm-hmm. but sometimes you don't snap out of it and you continue to deliver or bowl filth and yeah. as a leg spinner you'll you'll bowl a bunch of short balls or a bunch of full tosses both of which you know the batsman is sort of waiting for right mm-hmm. unfortunately that's what's happened with um, yasser shah but when i look at the rest of this lineup look shahin shah afridi is very young and he's still learning his craft and these things will only help make him stronger right but when you look at the rest of his uh, rest of this bowling lineup junaid khan was in today he he suffered he has given 57 runs in just uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, eight overs and uh, hasan ali was off color but then imad wasim the spinners struggled as well but the one guy whose star seems to be rapidly descending is fahim ashraf he's not done anything of note since the beginning of the tour and you know there was also there was also some some talks whether you know somebody like amir may replace this guy if he doesn't uh, show his worth in this upcoming few matches but given that amar is probably out of the reckoning uh, we don't know if there are any other people there were a couple of other fast bowlers who i think there was an abdur rauf who bowled really fast in psl right mm-hmm. and there is also hasnan who sort of waiting in the wings i think so but he's already in the probables right he's yes, already yes, in the squad in the 15 yeah for sure i mean what i mean by waiting in the wings is in this tournament in this yeah, okay. tournament so i think they may get an audition in the upcoming matches and then i think time is fast running out for somebody like fahim ashraf because and he did not contribute with the bat either in in as i said uh, because he's he sort of in the squad as an all rounder right so i think they are struggling a bit here so but let's see i mean what also scares me is from any other team's perspective that will play in england against this england team these people look almost unbeatable be chasing big setting yeah. a total uh, this looks like the team to beat definitely we knew about it but this is this is of a different level because it's it's completely scary looking at they don't care whether you make 360 they'll chase it down whether they bat first it's very highly likely they'll almost make a 400 right yeah. uh, only thing is they may have a an occasional off day this england team mm. and it might very well be in one of the deciders but otherwise it's it's very tough to see this england team getting beaten at least before the knockouts what do you say kiri Yeah, I think if you look at the way they, they, the 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 opener start of they they begin explosively. Mhm. They play a 50 over match like a T20 game all throughout. Okay. Right. So they always try to score a 150 uh, strike rate of 150 or above mm-hmm. uh, in order to achieve or you know, in order to in order to make such a big score. I think they have been doing that in the recent past and they have been very successful and they have also had some odd collapses like you said. Yeah. Um but i think a bowling lineup that england has right now uh, with the likes of jofra archer also probably making uh, the squad uh, or any any bowler would like to have such a batting strong batting uh, lineup uh, you know uh, in the in, in in their team because this gives them so much of uh, uh, hmm. so so they, if they're bowling if they're batting first the bowling uh, you know the bowling squad will be very happy to defend a very huge total right uh, and if they're bowling first i think they can still go for a few runs knowing that the batsmen will do their job uh, providing right. all every one of them you know is firing on all cylinders but it looks like the majority of the players at least jason roy uh, johnny mm-hmm. besto are route to an extent as well i think he had a good start today owen morgan mm-hmm. of course uh, and then joss butler uh, and i don't know if ben stokes will uh, start scoring more runs but i look forward right. to him scoring a few more 
Uh, but if you look at their top six, uh, you have at least four guys who have been very consistent over the last mm. 12 months or so. So, and if the other two guys also, you know, start uh, uh, chipping in, it's going to be a formidable squad. It it already is, and I think it's probably going to make it stronger than ever. Uh, so, uh, I think England will fancy themselves uh, at home, but at the same time, the expectations might also, you know. Uh, uh, bring their downfall. I hope not. Uh, let's see. I mean, let's hope for some good cricket all round. And I Indeed. hope for a good contest, uh, not one-sided matches, though. Agreed. Agreed. And I think, at least as far as this tournament is concerned, Pakistan is sort of still sorting a few things out, but mm-hmm. they'll want to hit the road winning, right? They're already in England, and this is sort of the final set of preparatory matches they have. There are a couple of warm-ups for sure. But they'll not want to go into the warm-ups completely having considered the series to England. They'll want to take at least one or two of these, of these remaining matches away because now that you know England are 2-0 up, they can't lose the series. Yeah. But it, the onus is on Pakistan to come back fighting. And probably the stage is set. You know, yeah. One feels uh, the corner tigers are about to come out. At <laughs> least if not in this tournament. I would rather see them come out now because otherwise you can expect going into the World Cup, they're even more of a corner set and that's mm. probably even bad for the rest of them yeah that's yeah. the things let's see how that goes right yeah they need to find their winning combination i think that's the key here uh, otherwise they will lose a few matches at the beginning of the tournament which will uh, set them up in a wrong way uh, but we'll mm-hmm. see i think pakistan have always surprised us so let's hope uh, it's something on the similar lines you know after of 1992 world cup let's see uh, mm. what they can do all right all right now Going forward, let's quickly look at the Women's T20 Challenge, the final of the Women's T20 Challenge that happened also in the interim, uh, right? So, Supernovas uh, won the Women's T20 Challenge by clinching the final against Velocity. So, batting first, Velocity made a 121 for six. And, um, you know, uh, Veda Krishnamurti, they have a very far-packed lineup, but they couldn't do much. Mithali Raj batting uh, in the middle took 22 balls for a 12. And then, even though there were some handy contributions towards the end by Verma and Kerr, who made uh, 40 and 36 respectively, they could only get to 121 in 20 overs, right? Uh, Leah Tehuhu, the New Zealand fast bowler, took uh, 2 for 21 in a 4 overs. Then Sophie Devine took 1 for 19, right? And Natalie Skiver took 1 for 27 as well. So, basically, uh, let's say Supernovas began the innings, uh, their innings as the favourites. And they were well on track. So, they... Even though they lost a couple of uh, wickets in middle, there was a sudden blip when, you know, Kaur, um, the captain of uh, Supernovas, uh, Harmanpreet Kaur, she was uh, sort of holding one end together. She made a 51 of just 37 balls. But uh, apart from uh, Punia, who opened and scored 29, there was nobody putting up a, putting up their hand. But in the end, uh, she she made the match-winning contribution, so to say. And I think uh, Yadav, towards the end, hit a couple of uh, lusty blows. So, basically, going into the last over, it was going to be a very, let's say, uh, it was a do-or-die situation as far as uh, Supernovas were concerned. And Radha Yadav came to the party, and she hit uh, a four and took a couple of quick twos. And they got home of the last ball of the match to take the tournament. So, this is, I think, like a precursor to... Um, a possible women's IPL from the upcoming season. So this is BCCI is slowly trying to find out how what should be the format, what should be the you know uh, what should be the number of matches, etc. In the upcoming uh, season, if they want to do a women's IPL. But uh, you know this is a precursor, and I like to see at least this happen because Australia have already started a WBBL 
and uh, it's it's now uh, like a real proper family event where entire families come out and they camp out on the grass and this usually it's a double header most bbl matches these days that there is a women's bbl match then followed by a men's bbl match uh, it will be very interesting to see if you know ipl can also follow this sort of a format but considering the number of matches they play it will be a bit tough so maybe it will probably be held in parallel rather than simultaneously but uh, mm-hmm. let's see right yeah. all right going forward let's quickly look at some of the you know uh other news news from around the world which is sort of also impacting uh, the current uh, set of cricketing events so first of all uh, peter fulton so called 2 meter peter the former new zealand batsman has been appointed as the new zealand batting coach to succeed macmillan right mm-hmm. i mean it's not much of a news if you were to look at it uh, very su- uh, fairly successful international cricketer he couldn't really convert his uh, let's say the first class promise to Uh, be a you know, mainstay of the New Zealand batting lineup, but then yeah, he knows a bit about batting. He's also had some uh, coaching roles here and there, but you know not everybody is happy about this appointment. He's succeeding Craig McMillan, who held the batting coach role for a while with New Zealand setup, but I think Craig McMillan has decided to move on. And it was interesting that uh, Peter Fulton has been appointed. There is a bit of nepotism uh, whispers here and there because after all, when uh, he was the captain. of uh, let's say canterbury team a certain gary stead was the coach of that team and the same gary stead is now the coach of the new zealand team so there's some whispers of nepotism here and there but uh, i think uh, in the coming days we will see if this was indeed the case right does he uh, uh, become the batting coach after or before the world cup i think immediately after the world cup because after i think milan's contract uh, comes to the end of the world uh, at the end of the world cup and he has decided to not renew it if i read the report right okay. correct Okay so yeah and i think he's been with this setup for a couple of years so he sort of set up a bunch of these batters and sort of worked on them to get them in a good place right yeah. so we'll have to see if this is enough but maybe not right so also um you you get a bit of time to sort of settle in and there's a little bit of a period where you also get to assess how you can help the batters right at the highest level there was this discussion earlier at some point in time when curtly ambrose was hired as a bowling consultant by west indian board and they were not happy with the services because he said i am here to make minor corrections i am not here to train them in the basics mm. i expect they already know it to have reached this level they have come through state level cricket so to say or country level cricket there and they have also gone through some age group cricket so i am here to correct their attitude and correct make some adjustments to minor adjustments here and there so mm-hmm. it, it depends on what is really expected from peter fulton there so let's see how that goes right all right going forward uh, the other news is that uh, sri lanka cricket analyst uh, jayasundara right has been hit with uh, corruption charges sanat jayasundara is the name of this uh, analyst and he works for sri lanka cricket's brain center where uh, you know he's been uh, help uh, helping analyze the sri lankan cricket team with their uh, let's say video footage analysis and other things yeah. but uh, you know he's also been working with the under 19 team but what has happened is uh, basically he's been charged with offering bribe to the sri lanka sports minister in order to influence a result or maybe you know some other parts of the match maybe where it was held or any of these things so as a result this this is a very unsavory event that has come out that we can see and we are very let's say concerned because there is another event that's also going on that gunavardhana and joysa so avishka gunavardhana who was a player and now a very high profile coach basically right mm-hmm. and uh, nuan joysa if you remember the tall left arm bowler right yeah. 
who are both of whom played around the Sri Lankan cricket setup for a while, more than a decade or so, are now coaches, have been charged with, uh, let's say, you know, some um, match fixing allegations, right? And uh, all of these were suspected during the T20 tournaments that happened in Sharjah recently, right? So, Nuan Zoysa has been charged with three counts and uh, Kurnavardhana has been charged with two counts. So, some of these are very serious accusations. So, all of these don't add up to a very healthy picture of what's going on in Sri Lanka cricket, right? So, we know sort of Sri Lankan cricket has been in focus for the last couple of months with respect to, you know, uh, corruption charges. Jaisuriya recently was banned for two years and so on and so on. So, we really hope they put their uh, house in order. This doesn't augur well because, you know, also on the field, their team is struggling a little bit. And also off the field, if this is the sort of image they project, I don't think, uh, you know, the fans in the country will be really happy and they may lose some really hardcore fans for good, right? And then uh, as a result, in the long run, the sport may suffer on the island. What do you think, Kiri? I fully agree. I think uh, they need to, get, you know, get their house in order. Mm, mm. Uh, there's far too many corruption uh, uh, you know that they're in the news for wrong reasons so this should not be the case yeah oh, great I mean let's hope uh, sanity prevails and the house is put in order shortly and uh, the focus shifts back to cricket rather than all of these off-field events with Sri Lanka yeah right? sure all right going forward another small news uh, Vridhiman Saha uh, the aging uh, but very agile keeper has been given a chance with the India A team. And this is sort of a precursor, let's say, with a, uh, with Pant uh, also not being involved in the World Cup team. I think there's going to be a good tussle to see if, uh, you know, Ridhiman Saha can displace uh, Pant as the test match keeper. Kiri, uh, I don't know if you followed this news. Any thoughts on this? Uh, India plays their next test series against West Indies, uh, I believe. Right. And I think exactly. they, that's sometime in the month of July. So they travel to Caribbean, I think. Right. right. I, I, I think it might have been a home series. Right. Yeah, okay. Hmm. So I think they're, they're just looking to have a backup keeper uh, just in case uh, Rishabh Pant is either tired or he doesn't, uh, he doesn't seem to be in good form. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have you know, competition in the team. To keep right. uh, the other guy, you know, he keep them on the toes, right? So, Absolutely. so Vridhiman Shah, he probably deserves another chance. I think he is a really good keeper. He is a proper mm-hmm. wicket keeper mm-hmm. you know, with proper wicket keeping, wicket keeping skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might not be that good with the bat, although we know that he has scored a very quick uh, T20 century uh, in local mm-hmm. uh, in one of the local matches. I think was that. Can't remember. I think it must have been uh, Mushtaq Ali's tournament, something like that. All right, uh, but. So he's, he's he he probably deserves another chance. Um, let's see. I hope uh, he gets uh, his due. All right, and also I hope he grabs the chances and makes mm-hmm. sure you know he puts the hat in the ring as far as you know test match keeping selection is concerned. Right? We for sure know Pant is the coming man. Also, he's not just the coming man; he's the incumbent in this case, right? Yeah. With the I test think match the team. Indian India A team, sorry, India A team will also have a lot of youngsters, and uh, they can use. For Dimansa's international experience, so he'll probably give them some wisdom by playing with them. So it could also be uh, on a mentoring, uh, you know, role, not just as a player. Good, good spot there. And uh, just one small correction: you are absolutely right. It's an away tour, and uh, so India will be touring the West Indies, and they play tests yeah. there in July. Wow. Yes, in July. Amazing. Uh, that's why I was also a bit surprised. But well, go on. 
No, no, no. Now I know that you know the Caribbean is in the equatorial region and it probably rains there every afternoon during the summer months, if I'm not wrong. Otherwise, yes. it's going to be really hot. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably play around it. Let's say they plan their tea at that time. They exactly. need to play in a swimming pool, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I really hope it doesn't cricket, come yeah. to that. No. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, those are all the, let's say, the main points that we would like to have covered today. We can now look at the trivia question for this week. So now we are back off the focus of IPL and we've also done the review of all the teams that are going to participate in the World Cup. We are back to our standard trivia format. So the question for this week is, which player holds the record for the highest score by a number 10 in tests? This is one of those old records. The clue I can give you is, uh, this is one of those old records that hasn't been touched in more than 100 years, right? Very much like the, you know, the highest percentage score by a batter in a completed inning, so on. This is a record that goes back to that era. So that's the clue I can offer. So good luck with the question and we would be very happy to hear uh, from our uh, listeners and fans, whoever is listening, what do you think the answer is? So we are not ours to you guys Googling. If that's how you want to get to the answer, it's a good one. You could always get in touch with us through our social media. You can get in touch on Twitter at ArmchuckRickPod. We have a Facebook page. There are some quizzes and you know occasional polls that we post. We would really like it if you were to participate in them. You can get in touch with us via our mail ID, armchuckrickpod at gmail.com. Also, you could leave us your comments on whichever you know podcasting app you use or whichever you know whichever media you choose to consume our podcast through all right then having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast